least learn best practice while using technology going forward. <laughs>this is the Ruben report we are live streaming on rumble youtube and locals share subscribe tap that notification bell if you have not and actually if you are watching on rumble right now and i certainly hope that you are watching on rumble and or locals and if you want to be in the locals chat right now rubenreport.locals.com uh, but if you are watching on rumble right now if you click that join button that's right around there somewhere uh, you can join our locals community directly from Rumble and get in on all the fun. I hope that you are all doing well. We are gonna just dive right into a big show today. Uh, a lot of woke lunacy, a lot of stuff from a bunch of people that are supposed to be our intellectual and philosophical and political leaders, mostly pure nonsense from them. And then as I am one to do, we will end it in a hopeful way. So we're gonna talk about gender, we're gonna talk about race, we're gonna talk about climate, we're gonna talk about the border the whole damn thing. But one of the things that I think most of you have noticed, and I certainly woke up to over the last couple of years, post COVID, everything else, is that the expert class, right? The, the people who are supposed to sort of guide us through say crises or pandemics or political problems, wars, whatever it is, the people that are sort of the professionals, the scientists, the doctors, the pundit class, so many of them have just failed their basic duty. And, and I would say their basic duty is communicating something that is true to us so that we can figure out how to live our lives as best we see fit. I wanna show you a video uh, from the Trigonometry podcast. They had science communicator, I guess that's what he calls himself, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson on. Now, Neil deGrasse Tyson, for many, many years was thought of sort of the modern day Carl Sagan, right? He was taking very complex scientific ideas and communicating them to people. Even uh, Carl Sagan's most famous uh, book, which then became a, a series, I think in the late 70s, Cosmos, they, they redid that. Uh, Seth MacFarlane redid it on Fox with Neil deGrasse Tyson. So he's kind of ubiquitous in society as a man that we're supposed to listen to when it comes to science. Well, Constantine Kissin and Francis Foster over there at the Trigonometry Podcast, which I'll be doing when I'm in London next month, uh, they had Neil deGrasse Tyson on to talk about gender and sex and basically chicks in dudes' bathrooms. Enjoy. Or you walk into a space and there's stalls that are closed off, but then you exit the stall and you come to a communal sink, okay? Yes. Yes. So it's a solvable problem where everyone has a private space rather than... Uh, uh, for themselves rather than having a gender private space, okay? That's, it's solvable on a level, by the way, let me give an example. Uh, we have a school from the early 20th century in New York and it's, and I just saw it the other day. There's an entrance here and an entrance there and this entrance says girls and this entrance says boys. It's like, what the fuck, what, what, what? You separate them just to enter the school? I can look back on that and say, that was ridiculous. You guys, what were you thinking? But back then, I'm sure it made complete sense that you're gonna send the girls through that entrance and, and there's an elementary school and the boys through that entrance, okay? So it is possible to look back on whatever you were doing and say, my gosh, that was really short-sighted and look at the solution that was proposed and implemented, that was a good idea, we moved on from that. All right, first off, you know, 
Good old Dave tries to give the devil his due. I try not to take cheap shots at people. So I will agree with him with the basic concept at the end there uh, that we sometimes look back on things and go, boy, that was that was kind of silly. Say uh, black people not being allowed to use the same water fountains as white people. That would be something, right? But this idea that we are gonna look back and go, boy, we really should have mixed those boys' and girls' bathrooms quicker, and we should have had more girls in boys' sports quicker. Uh, The only way that would be is if the woke win, and they are certainly not gonna win on my watch, right? I hope they're not gonna win on your watch, but the fact that he's trying to even talk about this, and oh, we could have separate stalls and communal bathrooms, like they are just trying to collapse everything. I would connect this to my frustrated uh, argument about the failure of liberalism. Like a guy like him, he's basically a liberal, but he they just don't know when to say no. You are allowed to just say, no, girls cannot be in boys' bathrooms, boys cannot be in girls' bathrooms, locker rooms, et cetera, et cetera. But for some reason, they want to intellectualize it. Like, oh, we can figure out a way to kind of make it work. I, a couple of years ago, I, we were up in uh, in Sonoma visiting some wineries, and there was a, a really cool winery. I'm not gonna, I actually think the winery itself is spectacular, so I'm not gonna throw them under the bus. But they had communal bathroom, right? So it was like you go into any, you all walk in together, you go to whatever stall you want, and then they have sinks. And I went to the bathroom, and I, so this woman walked in at the same time, me and she went to the bathroom. And then we both walked out at the same time, and, and we just kind of looked at each other like, what are we both doing here? Why are we looking at each other right now? Everyone kind of knows it's just kind of not right. Anyway, they just want to go down with absolutely anything, everything with this stuff, no pun intended, uh, but Constantin, uh, and, uh, and Francis, they, uh, they push back a bit. I, I think uh, a lot of people would have an issue with what you're saying, Neil, is because they see women being denied opportunities. They see an unfair playing field, metaphorically and literally speaking. So fix the playing field, damn it! What, what, don't, don't say it's an unfair playing field, so all of a sudden the big issue is trans women taking the slot of a woman in an unfair playing field. Fix the playing field. And you know something? The day you fix that playing field, this conversation will look completely ridiculous. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So how do you fix the playing field? I'm curious. Well, that's hard. It's it's hard. We've been through it. <laughs> Thank you for that question. <laughs> I think it's I a, have, Look, if you're advancing that as a solution, solution, I think I have a right to ask yeah. you. I, no, it's great. I don't have a fast solution. Constantin is, he's just great. He's just great. He's been on the show before. As I said, I'll be on their show in a couple of weeks. Uh, this idea of an unfair playing field. Yes, we all agree there is an unfair playing field. Biological boys should not be wrestling or dunking over uh, chicks. Like, that's just a thing. The guy, what's his name, should not be allowed to use his propeller penis to beat those girls in swimming. We all agree on this. So I love the Constantin's answer. Well, how are you going to fix it? And then, you know, he's genuflecting. Oh my God, it's all done. And then he's like, <laughs> How would I, how would I go about doing that? You know how you go about even the playing field? If you were born a boy, you play with the boys. And you, if you were born a girl, you play with the girls. Or for the 0.01% of people that this affects, although we extrapolate this thing out a couple decades and it's gonna be pretty much everybody. Uh, for the people that genitals are neither here nor there, you got a little of everything or whatever you're doing, you have your own league. You can have your own division. Connor was with me on that one. Yes, that's how it's gonna be. Dudes over here genital whatever over here, do whatever you gotta do, chicks over here, that's how you do it. But the problem with these people and why, we, why things seem to always get worse, at least in like the, the, the cultural version of all of this, is we don't have enough people who know 
what is right, and then are willing to say it. They know what actually is true. Neil deGrasse Tyson is not an idiot, but he's trying to like show, he's trying to virtue signal to these people that he can come up with something great, even though we already have the answers to this. And it reminded me of a clip from a year ago. Now, I had to confirm uh, with Phoenix beforehand that Trevor Noah has subsequently been fired. I don't know that they called it fired, but he is no longer the host of The Daily Show. He destroyed that show. Remember, John Stewart had it for about 20 years. Some of you may remember, I was an intern at The Daily Show in 1999. That's a long time ago. But John Stewart had it for about 20 years. He stepped down, and then the show, which was huge, became absolutely nothing. People only showed clips of it to basically mock Trevor Noah. But this, this clip is really interesting. So again, this is from about a year ago. He had a trans activist on. And watch his just absolute inability to say what is true with any degree of conviction as he's hearing a whole bunch of nonsense. This issue, people like to say that it's a complicated issue and I don't actually think it is. I think it's very simple. It all boils down to, do you actually think that trans women and intersex women are real women and are really female mm -hmm. or not? And if you do, it's very simple. Just stop policing who counts as a real woman because this has had history of racism built into it over the years. It's not an accident that the intersex athletes who get singled out are women of color from the global south because who gets singled out for scrutiny is based on white women's conceptions of femininity and that's being weaponized against trans people too. So it's a fear of protecting the fragile, weak, cis white woman from the rest of us. So, so it, it, it seems like we have discussions about who should participate in which category and how. You know, on the face of it, it seems simple as you say. You know, if somebody identifies as a woman, if they're transgender, they can compete against women who were born biologically, and, and then if not, then not. But then there are many who would argue who are not transphobes. There are many who, who are born biologically women who will say, but you have an unnatural advantage over me and that makes the sport unfair. How do, you, how do you respond to that? Okay, first off, that is a dude, you know, dressed or acting as a woman complaining that white women are the problem. So irony is dead, we all get that. My issue and why I wanted to show you this is, you see how he can't just defend what is obviously true. And instead of even him saying, well, I think actually, because it's, it's fairly obvious to me, if you got that guy in a room, he would say, I don't know if he has kids, but he wouldn't want his five-year-old daughter competing against five-year-old boys, right? Like it's just freaking obvious. But you see, he won't defend it on his own merit, right? Because he's just a servant of the machines. There are people who say that you shouldn't do this or that. Also, I don't know what she's talking about, about how most of the people who have been discriminated against have been black intersex athletes. Like, can I get the list on that? Can you go to blackintersexathlete.net and let me get the full list on that? We'll, we'll, get it. we'll see if we can get that for you. Uh, but again, it's this inability to just say that there's no such thing as black intersex. I love it. God bless you. God bless you for trying. Good people, good people. Uh, the point of all of this is we have a series of people who will not say what is true. And then when you don't say what is true, you end up just saying a whole bunch of gibberish. Uh, so now I want to show you a tweet from uh, Secretary Miguel Cardona, one of the many wonderful people here in the United States government. Uh, he tweeted out this this weekend, and this is obviously in reference to the mass invasion, the intentional invasion that we have going on on our southern border. Uh, he tweeted out, diversity is not a bad word, and we should be wary of anyone who thinks it is. Now, he's trying to imply that if you are 
saying any of the things that I say often or anyone that you might watch online, whether it's Ben Shapiro or Dennis Prager or Joe Rogan or anyone who's just like awake to just watching a mass invasion, open door, go on in. And it's not just the right wingers, right? Robert F. Kennedy Jr., et cetera, et cetera. The basic way he's saying that is, oh, they're talking about this and they don't like diversity. They must be racist. Now, he doesn't like diversity, right? He doesn't like diversity of thought. And first off, diversity is not good in and of itself, right? So if you were like, I'd like a diverse group of people to sit here and decide how we should start this country. And you were like, we need some Nazis. Can we get a couple actual, I don't mean right, you know, Trump supporters. I mean, can we get some legit Nazis? Oh, and we'll get to Nazis in a little bit because Trudeau up in Canada has a Nazi buddy. Um, but like, of course that's so not sensible. So diversity in and of itself, we must have all of these people and everyone should have an equal seat at the thing so that we can equally, no, no, some things should rise to the top. Okay. That's the point there. Anyway, uh, in that he doesn't like diversity of thought, uh, Cardona on the, over the weekend was on one of the, uh, one of the network news programs, and you know they are basically propaganda outlets for the DNC. And here he is, apparently uh, not so into diversity when it comes to that pesky diversity of thought. There was civility. We could disagree. We could have healthy conversations um, around what's best for kids. I respect differences of opinion. I don't have too much respect for people that are misbehaving in public and then acting as if they know what's right for kids. You see what they're doing? You see what they're doing? They're trying to make it seem like the parents who are pushing back against this woke nonsense, whether it's in Virginia or Florida or Cali or anywhere else, that the parents are the bad guys, the parents who get annoyed, who show up to meetings, and then they occasionally they do start yelling, and occasionally they do interrupt somebody uh, because you've got a third grade teacher reading their kid basically pornography and they're a little annoyed about it. But you see how they do that? It's very effective what they do. I like civil conversation, I, but I'm just not for people who, who yell and are mean and things of that nature. Well, you know, people might start getting mean when uh, say their border is being overrun and their towns are being destroyed, right? You might be a little annoyed if you're a border town in Texas, right? You might be a little annoyed if you're one of the teacher or one of the parents of a kid who has I don't know, maybe been being called the opposite gender by their teacher and hiding it for six months. You might be a little annoyed, but as long as we do this civilly, right, it's civilly. Okay, but you guys know, it's not just about the border and it's not just about racism uh, and gender and all that. The new one that they are really moving on us, like this is the next COVID, this is where the next lockdowns are gonna come and the rest of it, is climate. And the people, you know, they love this word intersectionality. This is where they can combine a whole bunch of his perceived oppressions or perceived problems. They can combine them into one massive transformer juggernaut uh, to scare the hell out of everybody. So now they also want to combine climate with race. Yes, this is a real one, believe it or not. And if we're talking race and people who are uh, lying about race, well, then obviously I have to show you a video of Al Sharpton over at the televised mental institution known as MSNBC. Uh, he had climatologists. This guy, I think, has been debunked several times, but he, he's a, I suppose he is a climate scientist. I had him on the show maybe about 10 years ago. Uh, by the name of Michael Mann. He's the one that came up with the hockey stick theory that one day we were just going to like flip the switch or the, the earth, the atmosphere would flip the switch and we'd go from being fine to being destroyed by climate change. It kind of has never come to fruition, of course. But anyway, uh, he went on Al Sharpton's show and they talked about how climate change is actually racist. In various communities, 
that there's more impact than others because they're closer to certain things in the community. I've, I've, I've raised issues about uh, the green movement, and some blacks say, well, that's not our issue when it's more of our issue than others. How do we deal with breaking the messaging down, whether you're black or, or other, that people understand this is about them? This is not just something they're watching on the news about Maui. Yeah, thanks, Reverend. It's good to be with you. And it's such an important point. I live in Philadelphia. If ever there was a city where we can witness the, you know, the, the tremendous injustice associated with these extreme weather events wrought by climate change, it's Philadelphia. The extreme flooding that we witnessed in the wake of Hurricane Ida a couple of years ago, of course, it was frontline communities. It was minority communities who felt the brunt of that. Uh, the urban heat islands, it turns out that redlining was done in such a way in the past so that the areas that uh, are primarily minority populations are subject to the worst urban heat island effects wow. in the summer. And so there is a tremendous climate justice component. We just had a debate as to whether I could call that guy what I wanted to call him, but we're just, we're not going to do it. You know, the whole, the whole world is coming after uh, Rumble right now. And I know Rumble obviously would never kick me off, but YouTube could just take me out at any moment at this point, right? They're going after Russell. You, you guys get it. These people, like, this has nothing to do. Oh, Hurricane Ida a couple of years ago, it had, it, there was some flooding involved with that. And obviously that affected black people. There is one black guy that I'm freaking out about related to climate change. And, and hopefully maybe we could start a GoFundMe or something. Uh, but Barack, Obama guys, he lives on 30 acres on the water in Martha's Vineyard and, and climate change is a coming and we must save Barack Obama. I don't know, whatever we have to do, I will do a fundraiser. I'll do like a Jerry Lewis telethon. I mean, 24 hours, I'll bring in the animals. We'll bring in some of my celebrity friends and we must raise money so that Barack Obama can leave his 30 acre mansion on Martha's Vineyard because the water is coming and maybe he could move to downtown Philly. Uh, where, you know, he, yes, I understand that's also at risk of hurricanes and whatever, uh, but he'd be a little safer. I mean, the idea that you live in Philadelphia, try to, you, we've shown you videos of Philadelphia. Philadelphia is like, if, you, if San Francisco is the top of the zombie apocalypse, Philly's probably like number seven, right? You can throw a Portland, Seattle, parts of LA, something like that. But Philly is, is absolute disaster. You know, in the post-game show, let's find one of the compilations of Philly just melting down with homelessness and drugs and everything else. But the point is, climate. there is literally nobody in Philly wandering around going, climate change is the problem here. But they want to scare them into thinking that it's the problem, right? You have a much bigger worry whether you should go to Pat's or Gino's to get your cheesesteak if you live in Philly than, than climate change, you ridiculous person. But okay, let's continue on the climate change thing. They are trying to freak you out. This video is really going viral over the weekend. There is a British wildlife TV presenter by the name of Chris Pacman. He's on Channel 4 in the UK, and he put this video out himself, uh, prepping the people because uh, he's thinking about breaking the law to save the climate. It's absolutely incredible, this guy. He's a, he's a true hero. Go. It's time to make up my own mind and decide if I think it's time to break the law. What are we going to do about it? An overwhelming number of people recognize that we are in danger. They fear for their, fear for their own lives, lives their children, frightened for the future of life on Earth. No government, no major political party has ever significantly addressed the issue. They haven't been listening to us, the climate activists. Now, I'm not asking for anyone to break the law. There are so many lawful ways to get involved. Raise your voice 
Post a poster, sign a petition, paint a banner, go on a march, lobby your local MP. However, for me, myself, when significant and obvious danger. So, but I've got to raise my voice. If you're an activist that's already made a decision that, yes, you're going to break the law, so long as no one is hurt and there's no lasting environmental damage, then you'll have my support. And personally, I think I've reached a point where I now consider it the ethically responsible thing <laughs> to do. All right, first off, did you guys note how many times he touched his face in the middle of that thing? You know the thing that I reference all the time, there's an episode of Seinfeld where Jerry's talking about how when you're lying to somebody, you touch your face and that's like the tell that you're lying to somebody and the higher up on your face that you touch if you're scratching your head while you're telling someone something, that means you're like seriously lying. Remember James Clapper, the former CIA director under oath when they were like, are our intelligence services uh, spying on the American people? And he's scratching his head and he's like, not wittingly. It's like, this guy can't stop touching his face. For, okay, first off, the, okay, congratulations. If you live in the UK or I guess anywhere else, because that video did go viral, he's got your back if you break the law. That'll help. Um, also, there's nothing you can do. The weather's not coming for you. It's morons like this who are trying to use you. That's what it is. Uh, but I think we decided that uh, during the uh, afternoon today, when I have a little bit of a break, I'm gonna go out because I have a backyard here with some trees, so a similar background as that. And I'm gonna get out there, and Connor, we can do some sort of soft camera thing like, yeah, there's, yeah he, we have all the camera stuff available to us. And I'll touch my face a lot. And I'm gonna basically just take that script, we'll get the actual script, and I'm just gonna talk about taxes, because. I don't like taxes. And if you're going to break the law because of taxes, then I'll be here for you. I'll save you if you don't want the IRS to come to your house. Like, what? 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 That actually would make far more sense, right? Like, I don't want my tax. I don't want my tax dollars funding a war in Ukraine, and I'll help you when the IRS comes to arrest you. Oh, all right, speaking of lunatics and crazy people, Hillary Clinton's back, baby, uh, because we are getting into an election year, so she's got to come back. She's got to scare us about Trump and election integrity and the rest of it. I did not know that Hillary Clinton had a podcast, but apparently uh, she does. I guess there are more podcasts than people at this point. Tweet from Hillary Clinton. I'm thrilled to kick off my season four, uh, season four of my podcast, You and Me Both, with someone I'm a huge fan of, Democratic House Leader Representative Jeffries, Hakeem Jeffries, that is, from hip hop to civil service and criminal justice reform to Congress. We got deep into what makes this young leader tick and how he envisions the future of the Democrat Party. Subscribe to today on blah, 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 and you'll get the okay zippity dippity. Uh, why am I bringing this up that Hillary Clinton has a podcast? Well, it's one, it's that I'm giving you a warning uh, not to listen to it or you can downvote it or whatever you gotta do in Spotify, because you know they promote the hell out of her, right? Whatever YouTube and the rest of us, the rest of those things are doing to guys like me, they're doing the reverse to her. They want you to see that all the time. Anywho, uh, Hillary was interviewed. She's making the rounds on the media again. And she was asked, you know, why, why is it that people don't seem to like uh, Kamala Harris? And you're not gonna believe what she said. You know, there has been more talk, at least in my time in politics, about questioning whether the vice president should be on the ticket. Yeah. I know what I think that's about, but I want to know what you think that's about. 
Well, I think it's about, uh, you know, a number of things. I think vice presidents are either never thought about or they're an afterthought. Um, and it's a tough position to be in, no matter who you are. Uh, but I also think that she's a first. I mean, she's the first woman. She's the first woman of color. She's the first daughter of immigrants. I mean, you can go on down the list. And uh, so there will definitely be a lot more scrutiny uh, than is usual <laughs> for a vice president. First off, there's no way she's the first daughter of immigrants, right? Like, <laughs> that, that can't, we had a founding of the country. Somebody came here from somewhere. Like, all right, that's number one. That, and also, like, I, I, didn't, I actually didn't even know that. I, I don't even know where her parents, I'm not even sure where her parents are from. It's actually completely irrelevant. And I didn't know if they were first generation immigrants or second generation immigrants. But the idea that there's someone at home, like, watching a video of, of her talking with the circular logic and, you know, Russia big, Ukraine's all the nonsense out of her. And they're like, you know what? I don't like that, that daughter of immigrants. <laughs> like, it's just so stupid. And of course, it has nothing to do with her being a woman and it has nothing to do with her being black or or whatever she is. Nobody cares about any of that stuff anymore, okay? Everyone thinks she's an idiot because she is not particularly bright. She comes off as deeply inauthentic. Her laugh scares children. Those are the main reasons that people don't like her. And she just seems like a really just dishonest actor. So it's perfect that Jen Psaki, and really think about what passes as journalism on MSNBC. Jen Psaki, who worked for the Biden administration, where Hillary, uh, for the Biden administration, who Joe Biden was the VP under Obama and Hillary was the Secretary of State under Obama. Like, it's just a big circle jerk. I'm not even gonna say what I was gonna say there, but the point is just watch this video of Saki and Hillary because they're back on Russia collusion. Vladimir Putin uh, has obviously your friend, your friend and mine. Uh, yes, indeed. He has uh, intervened in our election in the past. Right. It's not something, as you experienced firsthand, it's not something we talk about a lot. Do you fear that that is something that could be happening for 2024? And do you think we should be talking about it more? Well, I think we should be talking about it more because I don't think, despite all of the, uh, you know, deniers, uh, there's any doubt that he interfered in our election or that he has interfered in many ways in uh, the uh, internal affairs of other countries, funding political parties, funding, you know, political candidates, uh, buying off, uh, you know, government officials in different places. Sounds like a lot of shit that we do in America, buying off people, influence, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so apparently we're allowed to talk about an election denial again. So if you just track what Hillary's saying, what Hillary's basically arguing is what the Democrats have argued for a long time. Somehow Putin stole the election for Trump, the first one, then he just decided not to do it again this time, but now we should be watching out again because it could happen. It's, it's so insane. People were demonetized, kicked off Twitter and YouTube and everywhere else for even questioning election results. And now you have a former secretary of state, former senator, wannabe president. Who knows? Maybe she'll get back in the running. Like once Joe's out, which I think we're looking at a couple months at this point, and it does seem like it's going to be Newsom. Who knows? Maybe she'll get back involved. And here she is basically pushing a conspiracy theory, a conspiracy theory, which, by the way, led to two failed impeachments. And you get the rest of it anyway. I've mentioned Nazis a couple of times on the show, and I have to say this next segment is very refreshing for me uh, because usually when we're talking about Nazis these days, we're talking about just regular people. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're talking about, you, someone says, oh, that's a Nazi over there, and you go, oh, well, what, what makes them a Nazi? Well, they think boys are boys and girls are girls. And you go, boy, the Nazis really ain't what they used to be. 
So it's very refreshing on this show when I'm able to talk about a Nazi and go, that's an actual Nazi. Oh, and speaking of Nazis, uh, we watched the, the new uh, Indiana Jones movie over the weekend. It wasn't terrible. I was shocked. It, we finished it and I go, that wasn't terrible, which is all I ask from a movie these days. Anyway, an actual Nazi showed up in Canada. So first, I wanna show you a tweet and an image from uh, Ian Haworth. He was, he's been on the show once or twice. Uh, this is, he grabbed a Politico headline. So look at this. Nazi-linked veteran received ovation during Zelensky's Canada visit. And his comment was quite clever. So when they call them conservatives, conservatives are Nazis, right? But when it's an actual Nazi, the headline reads Nazi-linked veteran. Yes, this guy is an actual Nazi. So here's just a little bit more about Zelensky showing up at Canadian Parliament and Yaroslav Hunk, the actual Ukrainian Nazi. Here's a bit more, and then I'll add some context after. Zelensky's speech received at least a dozen standing ovations. There was also one for this man, a 98-year-old Ukrainian-Canadian who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians during the Second World War. Oh, so that guy who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians, or he must be great. He's old now, too. He must be great. Well, a little context. Uh, this is from uh, CPAC. Uh, meet Yaroslav Hunk. Hunk is a Nazi who fought with the 14th Division of the Waffen-SS against the Russians in Ukraine in World War II. Hunk assisted in the systemic extermination of Ukraine's Jewish population and installation of a Nazi dictator in the region. Hunk also engaged in the wholesale slaughter of Ukrainian people and entire villages disloyal to Hitler. So that's the guy that Justin Trudeau decided to honor at Canadian Parliament and got repeated standing ovations. Well then, of course, as you can guess, the wise people of the internet rise up and they start clipping it and finding out more information about this guy and oh, maybe Trudeau, you shouldn't be honoring Nazis and oh, yesterday was also Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day in the, in the Jewish year. But, you know, timing, timing, man. You know, if you're gonna honor a Nazi, you honor them, you know, middle of October, nothing's happening. <laughs> You know, you know, you honor him right before Halloween, maybe. Anyway, then, of course, the pushback comes. And then suddenly Trudeau did realize that maybe honoring a Nazi wasn't the best thing, although his uh, explanation and apology here is as disingenuous as everything else he does. Obviously, it's extremely upsetting that this happened. Uh, the speaker, speaker has uh, acknowledged his mistake uh, and has apologized. Uh, but this is something that is deeply embarrassing to the Parliament of Canada and, by extension, to all Canadians. Uh, I think particularly of Jewish MPs and all members of the Jewish community across the country who are uh, celebrating Yom, or commemorating Yom Kippur today. Uh, I think it's going to be really important that all of us push back against Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation, and continue our steadfast and unequivocal support for Ukraine uh, as uh, we did last week with announcing uh, further measures to stand with Ukraine in uh, Russia's illegal war against it. Hate is not the word that I have for that man. We need a new word. We need to invent a word. Maybe it could be, it could sound a little French in honor of Canada or honor of Montreal or something where I could come up with a word to describe him. You guys can help us in the comments. Somehow uh, during Yom Kippur, we should be thinking about Russian propaganda and funding the Ukraine war. I can tell you, as I was at my sister's yesterday with the kids and we were all around the table and we fasted all day, very, very 
hungry. It's about 8 p.m., sun going down, and we were starving. The whole spread's right in front of us, the bagels, the lox, the cream cheese, all of it. I kept saying, guys, guys, let's, let's not eat just yet. Could we just figure out a way to give a little more money to Ukraine right now? That's what today's really about, right? The Day of Atonement, when we really should be thinking about what we've done in this past year and was it good and can we do better in the next year? I said, put that aside, your own personal problems for just that, 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 hey, you over there, put down the egg salad. We must fund Ukraine and stop the Russian propaganda. Oh, you got it. Anyway, uh, what else is going on with Ukraine these days? It's not just that we are funding the war. Everyone knows that we're funding a war, which you might argue if you're funding the war, if you're paying for the war, maybe that means you're in the war, but we've never actually gotten authorization for this war. Our leaders, leaders keep telling us that this is the most important thing in town. Mitch McConnell loves this thing. Biden loves this thing. There's few things that bring these people together more than war. Uh, well, it turns out, Guys, you're going to be very excited about this as good taxpayers. Uh, it's not just that we're funding the war. Uh, we're funding far more than that. Uh, and even now, 60 Minutes is covering it, which tells you this thing might actually be bursting forth into the mainstream now. American taxpayers are financing more than just weapons. We discovered the U.S. government's buying seeds and fertilizer for Ukrainian farmers and covering the salaries of Ukraine's first responders all 57,000 of them. That includes the team that trains this rescue dog named Joy to comb through the wreckage of Russian strikes looking for survivors. And the US also funds the divers, who we saw clearing unexploded ammunition from the country's rivers to make them safe again for swimming and fishing. Russia's invasion shrank Ukraine's economy by about a third. We were surprised to find that, to keep it afloat, the U.S. government is subsidizing small businesses. Awesome, dudes. We're subsidizing small businesses in Ukraine. Sure, here, if you have a small business, we'll shut you down and you can only go to big box stores. But in Ukraine, we'll fund your little operation, man. Why, why did I do that accent? I don't know where that came from. That whole, you, that whole Yom Kippur, uh, stop the Ukrainians thing from Trudeau really got me. Anyway, if you want something sensible, rather than me talking like this about Ukraine, uh, here's Rand Paul about what's actually happening in Ukraine. There's, there's also this incredible story about an American journalist, Gonzalo Lira. He's reportedly right now in prison in Ukraine on allegations of, of spreading Russian propaganda. I, I, I don't understand this, that Joe Biden could approve $113 billion of money to Ukraine, and yet he has not tried to get this American journalist out of prison there? How is that possible? It's even worse than that, Maria. They've canceled the elections. What kind of democracy has no election? So next year, Zelensky said he's not going to have an election because it would be inconvenient during the war and would be expensive. Well, the thing is, if you don't have elections, why in the world would we be supporting a country that's not a democracy? They've banned the political parties. They've invaded churches. They've arrested priests. So, no, it isn't a democracy. It's a corrupt regime. And are the Russians any better? No, the Russians are worse. But at the same time, we don't always have to pick some side to be on. But the ultimate reason I'm against this is we don't have the money. And when we borrow more money, it leads to more inflation, leads to more likelihood of recession in our country. And so we just can't keep doing it. Man, it's so freaking refreshing when you hear someone tell the truth, right? Like you feel that, you're listening to him and you're like, oh, uh, 
I don't have to contort and I don't feel weird. Like when you're hearing lies all the time, like you, we have a built-in system that, that detects lies, right? It is, it is ages old, it is deeply built into us. And that's why there are so many lies these days and so many people, so many people's lie detectors seems to have been blown apart. But when you hear the truth, and notice Rand Paul doesn't have to scream like Neil deGrasse Tyson in the earlier segment, he doesn't, because he's not, he's not making up nonsense to make you feel better. He's telling you what the truth is. Boy, you know, we've got this Zelensky guy, they're canceling elections, they're arresting people. You know, this idea of canceling ele elections during wartime, that that's kind of okay, or basically is okay in Ukraine, wouldn't that be the greatest signal right now to think that uh, they will escalate this thing into World War III right before our elections, so that maybe we don't have to have elections? Wouldn't that be something like, am I, a, is that Alex Jones level crazy? Where it's like, oh, well that democracy doesn't have to have elections. Zelensky's a really great guy and he's dealing with something really crazy with that Putin and the Russians. Well, wait a minute, if that thing escalates, why would we have elections, right? Like these people are just out of control, but beyond all of the, the nuance on the ground and what we're funding and all that, that we don't have the money. We simply don't have the money. The hundred, what was it, 113 bill? The 113 bill? You think maybe we could use that? I mean, we don't even have it in the first place, right? We borrow that money in the first place. But let's pretend we wanted to use that 113 bill. Uh, you maybe could do something with it. You probably could do something. There's something. There's got to be something you could do with it. You could build better railways, right? Remember, you know, Cali's dumped like, what, how many billion into their failed railway? Which, by the way, just a couple of days ago, free state of Florida, we officially have the Bright Line here. It'll take you from Orlando all the way down to Miami. Couple stops, three hours, gorgeous, brand new. I think I'm going to try to take it after an event I do in uh, Orlando next week. Anywho, the point is we don't even have the freaking money for this, but if we did, we could use it at our border, but they'll also tell you that the border isn't a problem. I believe we have a compilation of Democrats lying through their teeth, which is just as porous as our border. It is my testimony that the border is secure. We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. We have taken unprecedented action over the past year and a half to secure our border. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. We're working to make sure it's safe and orderly and humane. The border is closed. We agree that uh, the border is secure. We're executing a comprehensive strategy to secure our borders. One of our highest priorities is to ensure that we have a secure border. And that is what we are doing. The border is secure. All right, you get it. We can show you a million of those and you don't even need the compilations to get it. Like RFK has been out there. We've shown you videos of people just literally wandering through and then they, they let 10 people and then they close the door. They wait for a minute. They let another 10. We showed you the one guy last week, the guy gets into America and he's like, he walks up to the border agent. He's like, Hey, can I go to Chicago? And it's like, dude, you're in San Diego. Stay in San Diego. You're going to get shot. He's probably dead at this point, but like, it's all just insane. These people lie about everything. And of course, if I'm talking about liars, we must show you a clip of cringe Jean-Pierre uh, answering or actually not answering a question from Fox News' Peter Ducey. What do you call it here at the White House when 10,000 people illegally cross the border in a single day? So what do you call it, Peter, when GOP puts forth a, a, a wait, no, 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 you can't. Green? I'm answering. Okay, we're going to move You're on. No, 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 we're moving on. Green, moving. Please. In the back. Uh, you said you were stopping back. the flow of the border. No, no, I tried to answer, Peter, uh, okay. I tried to answer the question. You stopped me. Let's go. God, she's, she's just terrible at her job. Put aside anything else you think of her. She's just terrible at her job. It is a completely legitimate question. What do you guys call it? What do you call it when we see all these people invading the country? And then she starts going on about the GOP. The GOP is not in charge of the border. 
the president is in charge of the border. It's on that very short list of what that brain-addled fool is supposed to do. And he's not, I, I can't even say he's not doing it. They are intentionally doing this. But she tries to turn into the GOP and he's like, no, 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 I'm not gonna have it. And then she just moves on because she has no answer. And I would just like to say for the record and for you freaks over at Media Matters who are watching the show right now, my criticism of her has nothing to do with the fact that she's black or a chick or a lesbo. Those are all great things. Those are spectacular, wonderful things and she should be credited accordingly. My criticism of her is because she is a horrible White House spokesperson for a administration that is a complete embarrassment. But things that aren't embarrassments, how about this? We've got a governor here in Florida who in effect is acting like the president and taking care of Florida the way that a president should take care of his nation. Uh, DeSantis tweeted this out. Uh, this is Biden border in, this Biden border invasion has led to asinine ideas like giving illegal aliens ID cards and allowing blanket work waivers to those coming here illegally. And there you can see, th those are what the ID cards look like. So you get in, you are by definition breaking the law. They will give you an ID card and somehow allow you to work. You know, last week we played you a clip of AOC, that, that wizard AOC, where she was in New York City saying, you know, we have to help these people get jobs. And I was very critical of that. Uh, because no, we don't. We have to figure out who they are. And if you came in illegally, you gotta go. We can figure out what the margin cases are and all of that stuff, fine. We really can, right? And if you've been here for a long time and you've been working and a good citizen, we can discuss all of that stuff. But all of these new people, 10,000 people who are coming to New York City every month, overrunning the services and all that. So anyway, I was very critical of AOC on that. And I, and I saw a couple comments, people saying, no, Dave, if they're here, just get them the work waiver. And it's like, no, you, ca you cannot do that. It doesn't, even if we had a true labor shortage, which we don't have, but even if we did, you cannot encourage bad behavior. Do you know that there are people right now, right now on lists trying to get into the United States legally for whatever reason, and they just get pushed further and further and further and further back. And by the way, the United States doesn't have to let anyone in. We are a nation of immigrants and that's what we were set up for, but we've got some housekeeping to do, I think, to figure this stuff out. Anyway, they just want to have the whole system destroyed. And it's not just the politicians and uh, the, the people in, and the border people and all that who are trying to do it, right? It's not. It's also they are aided and abetted by our quote unquote journalists. And here is quote unquote journalist from uh, CNN, Jim Acosta. We haven't shown a Jim Acosta video on a while, uh, in a while. He had uh, North Carolina representative Ralph of uh, Ralph Norman on, Republican, to discuss what's going on at the border. And you tell me, is Jim Acosta doing journalism here or is he doing partisan hackery? Oh. It just sounds like you're throwing uh, uh, rhetoric York, around with no basis in fact. No, uh, uh, you can, have you been to the border? Of course I have. Have you seen what's going on, the rapes? The uh, it's it's open. I mean, nobody can, can deny that. The border is- And uh, they've got, a, it's a crisis. Where? I'll ask the question, sir. And, and the Where border is, is not open. That is, that is something that, that is uh, peddled as a talking point, but it's not true. There, there are fences, there are walls, uh, there are border patrol agents who, yeah. who work okay. on the border. The five plus million uh, that have gotten into this country illegally uh, is not a figment of, of our imagination. Ask the border patrol agents. Ask anybody yeah. down there. They're frustrated. But I guess I haven't, you, you uh, have no, not been Biden able to answer my question as to how you effectively do border enforcement if you're shutting down the government. I guess, but I guess we're not gonna well, get an answer to that question. 
I don't know how to say it any more plainly, guys. There is a giant system in place to make us all retarded. And it is your job as a human being not to buy the BS. It really is. Everything Acosta says there, again, he's not a journalist. Does Acosta not know that they're letting people right through the border? Uh, in Acosta's own city, I believe CNN, where he is, is in New York City. In that city, he's got the mayor saying our city's about to collapse because of 10,000 illegal immigrants a day. Uh, a month. So how is it that they're getting there unless the border is open? Like this is basic stuff. Everything he's doing. And also he's like, well, we have, we have a wall and fence. Oh, did you just come out for Trump's wall? Cause I remember when Trump wanted a wall, you were calling him racist. That was the whole modus operandi of CNN. Are you suddenly for walls? And by the way, not only do we not have walls and fences everywhere, but if you open the door of a fence, people sometimes wander in and we've shown you those videos too. So here's the beauty, guys. Here's the beauty. Now we're bringing this thing around. The American people, and not just the American people, people all over the world are not buying this nonsense anymore. There are enough people who are telling the truth. Thankfully, we have to whatever degree of a free internet that we have, at least at the moment, uh, and people are seeing what the truth is. They're not only seeing what the truth is at the border, they're seeing what the truth is in terms of their kids being uh, abused in essence at schools, uh, but they are seeing how evil the media has become. You may remember last week we showed you uh, a couple clips of Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. He had uh, advance warning that a hit piece was coming out against him, like an absolute just hatchet job hit piece. And of course, that's what they do, right? That's what they do against me. It's what they do against anyone who's outside of the, the let's say, their Overton window. And, at, and I would say really in competition with them, right? Why was CNN always going after Rogan? You get it, because he was bigger than CNN. Uh, anyway... Here is Portnoy on Fox News talking to uh, who's he talking? Uh, Jesse Waters, uh, going after the activists, not journalists, at the Washington Post and the New York Times. Where they don't just want to disagree with you or resent you because you're bro, you're fratty, whatever. They want to destroy your entire enterprise. They want to destroy the people you're giving money to charity to. They want to take down your sponsors. They want all your employees fired. What brought that from here to here? You know, I think journalism has become activism, really. Uh, they're not looking for the truth. The ironic thing, and you alluded to it, for this pizza festival, like, the very people who are now trying to threaten these pizzerias and be like, are you going to write a hit piece and associate you with this bad person, they are all fighting to shut these people down two years ago. They didn't want them open. I'm the one who was fighting to keep them open, raise money, keep small business. And then they turn around to these very people that we're trying to help save and say, you shouldn't do business with them. It really, they have become activists. There's not an ounce of journalism. I watched the Walter Cronkite piece that you played in the beginning of this segment. There's no interest in telling both sides of the story, ever. I have been the subject of so many hit pieces, and I have started so many times cordially, let me tell my side of the story. Your facts are off. If anybody with an open mind who hasn't made their judgment, who listens to both sides is going to be, you know what, this guy is not who we're portraying him. Okay, so so you guys get it, right? Like, you get it. Everything he said there was right. These people are activists. They lie. I, I've been through this so many times. I, I, Rogan's been through it. Peterson's been through it. Andrew Tate's been through it. So many rumbles going through it right now. Uh, but the real reason they're going after him is not because they think he's a misogynist and a racist and that's going to destroy the pizza community. The guy's raised incredible amounts of money for small businesses and everything else. It's because Barstool Sports, which he grew basically himself, right, is now worth $550 million. 
That's what upsets them. He is outside of their control, building something that people actually care about. It's not fully my thing. Like, I don't even know that I've ever been to the website, but like I can respect the grind and I can respect people who, who build good things, right? And that's why they are going after him. And the other piece of this, and now this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. This will make your Tuesday wonderful, is that the BS layer from the politicians and the media people is being chipped away at, right? And where is it being chipped away at? A bunch of the people that I've referenced several times on the show, but it's it's the Rogans, Petersons, Shapiros, it's all of the online people. They're chipping away at the nonsense and they're waking people up. You don't have to agree with everything I say, but to some extent, people that watch this show, whatever, people are just kind of waking up to the nonsense. So this is absolutely incredible. Uh, this is a tweet and image from Kenakoa the Great, uh, this is just so absolutely spectacular from Bloomberg News. Gavin Newsom is worried about misinformation and micro cults online because his son is asking him about Andrew Tate, Jordan Peterson, and Joe Rogan. Newsom, I really worry about these micro cults my kids are in, the governor told Bloomberg. I say micro, cult, micro cults because I don't know if there's a better way to describe it. My son is asking me about Andrew Tate, Jordan Peterson, and then immediately he's talking about Joe Rogan, and I'm like, here it is, the pathway. Coming for you, Gav. Yeah, the pathway, the gate to hell is open. It goes right through me, you understand? How great is that? Like, like Gavin Newsom's son might be watching this show right now. I might have been the, the pill that brought him to Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate and Joe Rogan. Like how cool is that Gavin Newsom, evil lizard snake, vile, cold blooded psychopath, Gavin Newsom. His son is waking up to his bullshit. But what he's really telling you Gavin Newsom as he's prepping to run for president is that he is trying to figure out how are we gonna take out these micro cults. This guy is deeply calculated. So his move there will be, we'll have to figure out how to work with big tech to take them out because they're going after my son. But sorry, buddy, the truth is incontrovertible. And uh, your son is waking up right now. By the way, speaking of Gavin Newsom's son, I'm sure he's a great kid. His son went to basketball camp where they didn't have to wear masks while Gavin was locking everybody else down. So that's not a shot at his son. And, and uh, the Newsom child, if you're watching this program, you're a great kid, keep at it, brother. You're on your way, it's great. Uh, but people are not buying the nonsense from the Democrats anymore. Yes, they figure out ways to win elections, but more and more people are waking up to the BS. And more and more people are waking up to the fact that Biden is just you know a, a sack. There ain't much there, there ain't much left, they're figuring it out, patience on that. Uh, but here's some new polling on what's going on with Biden and his, you know, how he's handling pretty much everything. Americans overwhelmingly say they are not feeling good about the economy and that the president is to blame. Just 30% approve of his performance on the economy, a career low, largely dragged down by pocketbook issues for families. 74% of the country, that's about three quarters of Americans who say the economy is either not so good or downright poor. 23% approve of his handling of the situation, another career low. My God, people might start turning to micro cults. They've so had it with this Biden and his economy and the immigration thing and everything else. They're turning to Jordan Peterson. We must save Gavin Newsom's son. Great kid, dude, great kid.
So what should we strive for, guys? We can either believe the Acostas, who are liars, we can believe the Sakis and the Hillary Clintons and the Gavin Newsoms, we can believe the, an entire machine designed to make us stupid and behave and bow to it, or we can figure out the little spots, the little spots where we are empowering ourselves. And uh, Tucker Carlson had a nice little speech on what do Americans really want? These are the things that people actually want. They want to live unmolested, following their own customs that they inherited from their parents that they hope to pass on to their children without being lectured or hurt in an environment that uplifts rather than degrades, in a place that is clean rather than filthy, orderly rather than chaotic. That's what human beings want in every culture, in Africa, Asia, Australia, in every place around the world, because it's not a cultural desire, it's an innate human desire. And any government that takes that into account and tries to achieve it should be proud of what it's doing. The people who live there should be grateful and they should not allow the people who have mismanaged the rest of the world to tell them otherwise, period. So stay proud of what you have. I'm sorry for talking so fast, God bless you. Yeah, it's just true. It's nice to see Tucker fired up like that occasionally, but it is just true. We have a series of people, a managerial class that is just doing everything wrong and spitting in our face when we do it. And then we have this other series of people that are figuring it out, right? And, and by the way, you guys watching this right now, I know how many of you over the three, four years since COVID started, how many of you moved, you picked up and moved, or how many of you woke up what was really going on, or you decided to get out of a city and move more to the suburb and grow some stuff so you weren't so reliant on systems, or, or just all of the stuff. We are seeing it happen on the ground, uh, but you, right now, if you live in a blue state, in a blue city, if you live in New York City right now, and you know that you have a media machine that's lying, right? You have Jim Acosta, the border's just fine, while your own mayor is saying the city's about to collapse. It's like, you have to figure out, no one's coming to save you. There is no one coming to save you. You have to figure out how to save yourself. And in this country, thank God our founders were wise enough to come up with this federalist system. And there will be places where it's basically okay. And there will be places where it is not okay. But you will have to figure out how to operate within that so that you can have those things that, as Tucker says, are innate to being human. You want a place where it's safe to raise a family, right? You want to say a place where it's safe to hand down whatever traditions and culture you have to the next generation, to go out and get what's yours and build something beautiful, hopefully, whether that's your home or your town or your city or beyond that. And in some places, you will be empowered to do it by a government that gets out of the way. And in some places, you will just act like a servant to a master who does not deserve the title. On that note, uh, we did a meme Monday on Tuesday today. My God, we do it. We're, we're nuts. We're nuts around here. This is what I posted. I thought this, no, we're not doing that. Oh, we're not putting that up. Ah, well, if you're in the locals community, I put up a great meme Monday on Tuesday, which is, it's just, it's just perfect. Uh, anywho, uh, what am I looking at here? Uh, oh, but we don't have the image of the meme. Oh, we don't have the image of the meme, but if you're at rubenreport.locals.com, I believe it is the pinned post right now. It's a good one. It's a good one. It involves a lot of this stuff. Trans people, Ukraine, race, the whole shebang. Uh, once again, guys, if you are watching on Rumble right now, all you got to do is click uh, join right there. You help us stay independent and fight the power. Uh, part one of my first interview in the new studio, which when you see a couple of the other camera angles, you will see how beautiful it is what we have created here. I'm so freaking proud of it. Uh, part one with Patrick Bed David, who is just the, the absolute perfect guest to have in here first because he's another guy who's built businesses, moved to Florida, feeling the, the freedom and, and the flourishing of everything he's building. So he was just the, a great guy to have in as the first guest. 
guest. That is up. And then tomorrow, we will not have a show at the regularly scheduled time because we are en route to crazy communist California. We will be doing a live post-game show at the Reagan Library the second that uh, the, the debate ends. Uh, Larry Elder will be joining me. Carol Markowitz will be joining me. I think maybe we're gonna get some special guests over there at the Reagan Library. We'll see about what's going on on the ground, if I can maybe grab some of the candidates, that sort of thing, and uh, psyched for that. And then uh, we are in LA for the next two days. I'll be doing some, some stuff at PragerU. We'll, we'll, I'll let you know about the, uh, the full uh, programming schedule. We leave you with a Justin Trudeau-style cold close, and we'll see everybody for the postgame, rubinreport.locals.com. Obviously, it's extremely upsetting that this happened. Uh, the speaker, speaker has uh, acknowledged his mistake uh, and has apologized, uh, but this is something that is deeply embarrassing to the Parliament of Canada and, by extension, to all Canadians. I think particularly of Jewish MPs and all members of the Jewish community across the country who are uh, celebrating Yom, or commemorating Yom Kippur today. Uh, I think it's going to be really important that all of us push back against Russian propaganda. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.